Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Party line presented by DraftKings, getting you set for all things Super Wild Card Weekend. We got six games spread over three days beginning on Saturday. And you know what else is spread over three days? The coaching changes that we have seen. We got another oh, update today. He's Michael Lombardi. I'm Stormy Von and Tony. Geez, you guys have been busy while I've been gone the last couple of days, haven't you? Yeah. And we're kind of like waiting. We're in this holding pattern. Like, when is there going to be white smoke coming out of New England? Mm. You know, and when are we going to have some kind of resolution and where they're going? Everybody's connecting dots with Mike Rabel going up there, which you missed that that, that shell shock news the other day. But yeah, I I think there's more dominoes to come, actually. Really, I do. When it when it comes to that, like I would for anybody who missed the news today, it appears that Matt Eberflus is going to return and stay with the Bears moving forward. But because you teed me up on the Vrabel and Patriots of it all, uh, I, I obviously wasn't on the show yesterday. What is your general feel for why that transpired? Because obviously Vrabel is going to be a very hot coaching candidate for anywhere that he does end up. And then the Patriot side of it as well. You've got meetings going on where it's it appears that if if um, Belichick is willing to rescind some of those GM duties that he's been doing for forever, that they would like to retain him. And then maybe Josh McDaniels would come back like there's so many layers to all this, Michael. And it's, and it's really nobody's saying anything. It's very quiet. Nobody's talking. Nobody's heard anything either. I think the only two people, really three people that know would be Jonathan and Robert Kraft and Bill. They've, everything's been very clandestine and, and there's really been no leaks or no sources, you know. So I, I think that everybody wants to connect the Vrabel to New England, which obviously is a straight line because of the Hall of Fame. But, you know, why is Vrabel available? Well, I think Vrabel's available because the owner hired a new general manager. Vrabel really wasn't on board with that general manager hiring. He wanted an in-house guy, Ryan Cowling. I think that the owner wanted to go in a new direction. And I do think there is this perceived notion from people in the league who've never gone through the mill before that you can always find a coach, that coaches are replaceable. Well, you can say that, but great coaches like Vrabel are hard to find. Well, you could say, well, he's only seven games over 500. Yeah. Well, try winning in the situation he was winning in. Try to go and get a game into overtime 
a game into overtime when your quarterback can't get a first down for three quarters against the Kansas City Chiefs in their stadium. You tell me what kind of coach he is, right? So I, I think they're going to find out. Rand Carthon will find out. They're going to go in another direction. And the owner, I think, wanted her team back. I think everybody identified with Mike Vrabel as the Titans. I think she, you know, saw Vrabel at New England. She saw him there. She saw the connection there. And maybe that offended her. I don't know. But I think she sided with her general manager in that now is the right time to build alignment and continuity within the organization. Those all sound like great words, hard to enact. Yeah, and it is weird to think, too, Vrabel just two years removed from being a coach of the year, top seed in the AFC that at the time, you know, was so stacked on on that conference specifically. And like you said, we all know Vrabel is is a great head coach and how much of the failure of the last couple of years is really on him when you look at the talent that they have. So uh, very interesting. It is where I see right now Patriots, the two to one favorite for Vrabel's next team odds, followed by the Falcons, Commanders and Panthers. And these odds boards are always funny to take a look yeah. at um but let's what, what, which is fascinating with that stormy let me just say this tom kern who's kind of wired in all this right he reported what a month ago that the decision has already been made right. he then doubled down today and said that Vrabel entering the pitcher has no effect on what the patriots will plan to do so what he's saying there is that, oh, now that the Crafts see that Vrabel's available, we're going to make a move. No, no, no. They're, he's saying to people that the Vrabel news is insignificant of anything that's going to happen in New England. And again, they had that initial meeting on Monday. Expectation is there will be a few more conversations before a decision is made. But I, I like the way you put it. We're waiting for the white smoke. We're waiting to find out the way that this is going to come through. Of course, the the uh, Patriots 6-18 and 18 since week 12 of last season. It has not been the best stretch in New England. But let's go to the big news today. Specifically, while the Bears did fire their offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, their quarterback coach, Andrew Janoko, and wide receiver coach, Tyke Tolbert, it appears that they are hanging on to Matt Eberflus moving forward. What does this decision tell us about the Bears' frame of mind about the team moving forward? Well, they clearly tell you they often struggled because they didn't have good design, right? So whenever you look at your football team at the end of the season, you have to ask yourself, was it a production problem, meaning that you didn't have good players? Was it a design problem, meaning the players weren't put in the right situation? And when you fire coaches, a lot of that is saying – it's a design problem. And as I talked about on the podcast and I've mentioned it, you compare this year to last year with Fields, even though he has DJ Moore, he got all these great players. Last year, he averaged seven one yards per attempt. This year, he's at 6.9. You know, everybody thinks he had a better year this year than he did last year. It's pretty much the same, only less. Now, you could say it looks different, probably because he didn't turn the ball over in the second half of the season as much. But Getsy is what I call, remember then the Sopranos? There was an episode where they called uh, where, where All Due Respect and basically Chrissy, when they killed Tony Blundetto, when Tony Blundetto killed Phil Leotardo's brother, it caused a war. And so somebody from Tony's side was going to have to get killed to pay off the debt. They called it the sacrifice bunt. Lou Getzey's a sacrifice bunt in this case. They, Eberflus had to get rid of him if he was going to keep his job. And I'm not sure it's the right thing. I, it's, I don't know who they're going to hire. And are they, it doesn't connect to me automatically that they're going, down the, they're going down the fields road. Because if that's the case, 
they're going to have a lot of interesting conversations with offensive coaches who, if they're honest, are not going to come in there and say, yeah, I want to come and build around it. Because if you're coming in there to coach Fields, they're expecting you to make him a star. And if you don't, they're going to fire you. Well, first off, because you referenced The Sopranos, happy 25th anniversary. I, yeah. I know I had a feeling we were going to get a reference in there at some point today. So well done. And obviously, rest in peace, the great James Gandolfini uh, for the ride that you gave us with that incredible franchise. But to stick with this, yes, my, my big thing with with Eberflus staying and making all these other changes, how are you going to get like a good veteran offensive coordinator to come in here and fix things. And let's say it is that they keep Justin Fields and make him a star, or you bring in Caleb Williams and you will have the opportunity to coach a rising star in the league. But you're also hitching your wagon to Eberflus, who is if they have a five win season next year, are you is everybody out or by keeping Eberflus now is the plan to go and extend him to try to show that you have support of him for the future? Because if you bring in a rookie quarterback, you're just going to be in the same situation that you did after a bad season with Matt Nagy going to Eberflus, where you have this young QB on two head coaches in two years and things just fall apart again. So, like, what's your view on that entire situation? situation i mean you couldn't put it any better you you nailed it right like it's going to be different there'll be coaches out there that you know will come in because of the money because they don't have a job but there is a little bit of a concern especially considering that you know unless unless eberflus gets extended this could be a one-year deal this is these are the kind of situations why a lot of nfl coaches are buying homes in nashville because they're putting their families in Nashville, living there, and the coach is living in an apartment somewhere else because they're tired of moving their kids around all the time. And this industry has done that to everybody. You know, you, there's no, there's no three-year plan anywhere. I mean, if Mike Rabel took a job somewhere else, there wouldn't be a three-year plan. It's, it's really the most you get is a two-year plan. Some guys barely get two. So this is hard. Eberflus will have a challenging conversation. Who does he want? I think the fundamental question is, is nobody will ask this, is what do you want this Bears offense to look like? Like, what did Getze not do that you, you think can be done? I actually didn't think he did a bad job, Stormy. I think it's a tough situation. Bad offensive line, quarterback that's not a pocket passer, hard time handling pressure inside. I mean, there's a reason, there's a reason – why it struggles and I'm not sure it's all play design well and I know you and Femi love to have the the conversation the back and forth making fun of saying we need to see more but truly like (laughs) do I don't think that the Bears still know what Justin Fields is right like I, I don't I don't quite frankly want to see more I think I've seen enough but them as an organization they clearly haven't yet so do you view Justin Fields as a tradable asset or do you view him as somebody that you're going to continue to try to to grow and see what happens or is and pay him 50 million dollars a year which I don't think anybody wants to do is he that stepping stone while you bring in Caleb Williams and you keep Justin Fields for a year so he can train under him but you're not going to sit that talent like what are they going to do this is just a really interesting situation to me yeah, I, I think it, I think there's a feeling. Now they didn't. This administration didn't draft Fields, right? Right. Ryan Poles and Eberflus didn't draft him, so you would think there would be no real attachment to Fields. Like we're all in on this. Had had this still been Ryan Pace and Matt Eberflus, who excuse me, Matt Nagy, who drafted him, you'd say, okay, we're going to prove everybody wrong here. 
they don't have a skin in the game, right? They don't have to. They can make the decision based on the guy's 28 and 30, 10 and 38 over, 40, over, over his 48 starts in his career. There's enough evidence out there if you're willing to look at it. And I keep saying, look at the Browns game. Look at the last game against the Packers. I mean, we know the Packers made Tommy DeVito look like he was going to go down to Canton. <laughs> we know the Packers gave Bryce Young their best game. We also know the Packers has not allowed Fields to have production in either game. So you got to have to make a decision, right? You got to you got to decide where we're going. And I think you try to kid yourself quite a bit. Yep, going into the summer, they will have the top overall pick from the Carolina Panthers as well as the number nine pick in next year's draft. Um, but another thing that surprised me about all this, Michael, maybe this is something that we can pick up on the other side as well. If Jim Harbaugh is available, wouldn't he be a prime candidate opportunity for a position with the Bears given his past? I don't know. So that, w- that was one thing that surprised me a little bit with him on the market. We have a lot of injury updates we also have to get to with these wild card weekend games coming up. You won't want to miss it. Stay with us right here we're just getting started on the Lombardi line I'm Saleha Mosin and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States in 2016 I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington so I started the big take DC We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. 
when I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for a betting edge through the NFL playoffs and Super Bowl, the VEASAN experts have you covered. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. You'll get access to our daily best bets with a leaderboard to see which VEASAN expert has the hot hand. Betting splits to show you where the money and bets are moving every game. Plus betting systems, premium analysis, and 24-7 video access as well. Sign up today. You'll get your first 30 days for just $9.99. See everything VEASAN has to up your betting game. Visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe. That's VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Welcome back to the Lombardi line. I said before the break, the one thing about the Bears deciding that they are going to move forward with Matt Eberflus as their head coach was just that there is this little Jim Harbaugh carrot that could be dangling out there. Of course, a former Bears quarterback. (laughs) We have odds now, Michael, at DraftKings for which team Jim Harbaugh could be the head coach of in 2024-25. The Los Angeles Chargers are the favorite, plus 125. Raiders plus 650. Panthers also plus 650. Commanders 7-1, also 7-1. Not going to be the head coach of an NFL team. He's going to stay with Michigan. The Bears now are 16-1, so still on the list despite this news about Eberflus. Where do you think is the most likely landing place for Mr. Harbaugh? Well, look, let's start with Harbaugh is the CEO of Michigan football. And for him to leave that role, they're willing to pay him substantial money. For him to leave that role and come back into the NFL after his experience with the 49ers where he wasn't the CEO, where they chose Trent Baalke over him and he went to Michigan, okay? that When he does that, the next place he comes to, I feel like he wants to have a clear path towards being his own CEO. Now, that doesn't mean he wants to control the personnel. He wants to, no. People confuse culture hungry with power hungry. He wants a place where he can instill his culture, build the players around that, and somebody who can bring in the talent that he wants to coach and do that. And so when you look over the landscape of the league, it sure as hell doesn't sound like Washington because they seem like they have a lot of people and they want to hire a president first and let him hire. Carolina looks messy. Now, maybe David Tepper will tell him something different. I don't know. To me, the Chargers or the Falcons are the one, two teams that have a clear path to where I believe the owner will allow the next coach to come in and be very uh, instrumental in setting the culture as they move forward. Chicago, Kevin Warren's the president. He wants to be the, the, the spokesman for the team. He's going to be in front and center. I think one of the things that happened in Tennessee – is Vrabel became the main guy. And whether the owner was upset about how he behaved at the New England Patriot Hall of Fame ceremonies and felt like he wasn't respecting the team, all that, I think at the end of the day, that's all just window dressing on the fact that some of these teams don't want to have a coach who's that big big out there. And I think the Chargers make the most sense because, look, if you're Dean Spanos, you're going to have to play Sean Payton twice Andy Reid twice. Both those guys are Hall of Famers, and you got to bring a coach in who's got 
a 71% winning percentage, no matter where he's been, especially in the NFL, that might be the only way you can get your fan base back. Again, the Chargers are the favorite, plus 125. And Jim Harbaugh, we know, excellent with quarterback specifically. Justin Herbert, very attractive when it comes to that spot. They are going to have some cap issues. They need to cut $35 million in cap space. So they've been paying a, a lot of people a lot of money for a while now. But for Jim specifically, Michael, because you talk about him being the CEO, being everything, coming off of this national title win for Michigan, but also all of the controversy of this season, is Michigan a place where you think that he would want to stay? Or do you think that the NFL does ultimately make sense for him this year? Because we've gone through this a few years now of whether or not he would step over the line and come back to the league, and he hasn't. I think it's all situation-based, right? I think it's all comfortability with the people, the owner, and what's the situation. And the reality of it is, is Michigan has been a problem because of the harassment in view of the the NC2A. I mean, you know, he he lost, he got suspended for three games for, I I mean, for giving out a breakfast to some recruit during the, uh, the COVID. We're paying guys millions of dollars in NIL, but the breakfast is going to get you suspended for three games. Okay, the cheating scandal, the stealing of the signs. You know, I think to me, as they put in their report, everybody seems to do it. He just went out of his way to do it is what they said. I think that you kind of have enough. Look, I think a lot of college coaches want to get in pro football to be a head coach because college is exhausting. The NIL, you know, the the transfer portal, all those things, the 24-7. There used to be a lull between the end of the season and the beginning of spring ball. A little bit of recruiting, but it wasn't that bad. Now it's really a grind. And, and I think the NFL is a lot easier. The problem is the NFL doesn't give you as much control. You know, you may have to listen to the owner's son who wants to come in and tell you what he thinks. You may have to listen to some the, 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 the president who doesn't really know anything about football. So there comes some problems with it. And I think one thing we learned, I think Vrabel learned this. I know Belichick learned it from our conversations. I think Jim's learned it from our conversations is the next place he goes, he's got to feel really good about the organizational structure so he could build this program. Let's throw this list up on the screen, too. We have a list of the head coach interview requests that the Chargers have made to this point, Michael. It's a long list, so they're going through it to see who's going to be a fit for them. Well, but here's so we understand. This is kind of like this first wave is the wave of we're going to we're going to find out what we're looking for. And once we and then they're going to narrow this list down. They cannot do in-person interviews until the 22nd of January. Okay, so there you can't like once you get done with this list, the Chargers can't tomorrow hire somebody because they haven't done an in-person interview. And. And that's the same thing that goes for offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, and quarterback coaches. Like the process is going to take some time. That's why we expect some kind of resolution out of Foxborough soon because they need to get on this quicker if they decide to move on. If they don't, 
then what is the plan moving forward? Sure. And that was the exact reasoning, too, right? That the Titans ownership wanted to move on from Vrabel now and not go through the decision to trade him just so that they could get that head start on this process. So completely agree with you. We'll talk plenty more about head coaches and the carousel as we go. But a great update for today. Let's get into some Super Wild Card Weekend conversation. Lots of injuries yeah. that we need to update. Why don't we start out in Buffalo with the, the Steelers Ooh. getting 10 points out there at Orchard Park? 36, your total Obviously, you're going to have some some cold, some weather, some wind, all those things at a lot of games this weekend. But the most <laughs> impactful update here for sure, no TJ Watt for the Steelers. Their best player going to be unavailable. Uh, grade two MCL sprain. So best case, he might be able to return in a brace in a couple of weeks. Mason Rudolph is going to continue to start there. And then for the Bills side of things, Gabe Davis suffered a sprain PCL last week against the Dolphins. So his availability uh, not considered major, but TBD for the game. And Rasul Douglas, he says he's going to go. That's key, right? He's been great. He's been a wonderful addition to their defense. He's turned the ball over. He's made plays. Uh, You know, this line was seven and a half with the T.J. Watt news. It then became 10. Now, I think weather does impact this game. And we're going to hear about the weather in three of the outdoor Mm games, two of the outdoor games at least, right? But we're talking about the polar vortex, which Stormy, growing up in Vegas, you don't know anything about this. I do not. Please tell me more. This is is not good. When you get that polar vortex, that means it's cold. That means you can't put enough clothes on. And so it's going to be cold. But what the problem in Buffalo is, because of the lake, there is going to be gusting winds, perhaps – as high as 50 mile an hour. Now, we just went through a storm here on the East Coast uh, last night where we had gusting winds of 50 to 65 miles on the shore. Inland, they were higher. Uh, constant rain. There was flood advisories. Wasn't that cold. This weekend, they're expecting the bitter cold along with the winds. Somewhere between 18 and 20 mile an hour winds, which would put the game a little bit like the New England game when they went up there when New England didn't throw but, what, two passes? It could be that kind of wind and it could be a ground game. It could be a physical element of the game. And, you know, one thing we know about the Bills since week 11 of the season, they've improved defensively since week 11 of week 18. They have improved defensively. They played with more physicality. Getting Daquan Jones back helps. We're really not talking about the Matt Milano injury very much anymore. So for Pittsburgh to have a chance to cover this number, which at 36 and 10 seems like an inadequate balance, right? Yeah. Uh, They're going to have to run the football. Okay. So that was kind of my thought with this number being so high. Like, is that a little bit too much? I know that the Bills have won five straight games going into the postseason, but it's not like everything's been perfect along the way. And I know TJ Watt is a significant loss, but they've looked pretty good and found ways to win their last three with Mason Rudolph at quarterback. No question. And look, we know one thing. They're better than New England. I mean, they're better defensively even than New England. I mean, New England played them well up there, win. That was a 26-21 game, and New England gave them all the turnovers they needed. So, like, Pittsburgh, I mean, now, people say, well, you know, Miami, they moved the ball up and down the field on Miami. They got, well, Miami made plays in the red zone. They went zero pressure, and they made Allen turn the ball over, which he's been prone to do. So, 10 points, if you're playing the Bills... 10 points, you're, count, you're counting on Josh Allen doing something that he's yet to show he's capable of doing, which is not turn the ball over. We've got more weather updates and injuries as well when we return here on the Lombardi Line. Stick with us. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Become a VSEN Pro subscriber today. You'll get unlimited access to our VSEN.com slash picks page. Moments ago, we got some picks from our guy, Harry Gagnon. He loves a teaser between the Cowboys and the Rams and Lions over, plus a whole lot more. If you want all of his picks and those from all of our hosts and guests, head to VSEN.com. For more VSEN Pro picks, become a subscriber. The Lombardi line will give you 10% off your annual subscription now when you use our promo code Lombardi. This is 
is the Lombardi Line. Welcome back to the program. We had breaking news moments ago that Pete Carroll is out as the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, the seventh head coach firing in the National Football League here this season. And a statement has just come through from the organization and owner Jody Allen saying, after thoughtful meetings and careful consideration for the best interest of the franchise, they have amicably agreed to agreed with Pete Carroll that his role will evolve from head coach to remain with the organization as an advisor. Pete's the winningest coach in Seattle Seahawks history, brought the city its first Super Bowl title and created a tremendous impact over the past 14 years on the field and the community. And of course, thanked him, called him a beloved member of the Seattle Seahawks family. So the question that I asked you before the break of what that might mean for Pete Carroll moving forward is answered in that statement that he will remain in an, in an advisory role, Michael. Well, yeah, I mean, basically, they're still going to pay him whatever remains on his contract. And he's one of the highest paid coaches in the league. So, you know, they're going to pay him and it, and it behooves him to stay there. So I think it'll be somebody that he's comfortable with. Could it be Dan Quinn? No question. Could it be Mike Vrabel? <laughs> the smart play. Get an experienced guy to replace an experienced guy. You know, the one thing Pete was, Pete was a culture builder. He was a guy that developed coaches. We see him all over the league, Dan Quinn being one of them. So that energy, that, that, that part of it is going to be hard to replace unless they get the right guy. Quinn has a former head coach. He's out there. He's available. You know, Jerry's probably nervous now because this makes too much sense if he loses Quinn. We know Martindale's been fully released today. So there's been that settlement. You know, he walked away from his money. Now he could go to Dallas. He'd go to Philadelphia. You know, one thing about Wink, what he did was he'll probably end up making more money. I mean, he'll probably make more money by walking away from money. How about that? How about that? It just shows you where the giants are. I mean, it just doesn't, it makes no sense to me. But let's go back to Pete. Pete's problem is this, the defense, right? If you're the head coach and you are a defensive specialist, which Pete is, he def- Pete invented the under front, the Sam linebacker, the up the field three. He, Monty Kiffin, Floyd Reese, they all were in a room together up in Minnesota and they came up with this defense. And that evolved to Tampa, too, down in Tampa with Tony Dungy and, and Monty Kiffin. But th- he, can't, he couldn't fix the defense this year. You know, they, were, they couldn't stop the run last year. They couldn't stop the run this year. His choice of defensive coordinator, Clint Hurdle, really never worked out. I mean, it never has. It's for two years he stuck with them again. Uh, Clint Hurdle, I'm sorry. Clint Hurdle's a baseball player. Clint Hurdle. It really never worked out. So... Uh, that's to me, I'm sure that Jody Allen, the, the owner, was looking for, you know, more production, more, you know, to lose at home to Pittsburgh and have them run it down your throat, to lose those, to play as close as you had to play against Arizona in a game. I think, you know, it, it probably 14 years, same thing. Look, Pete's gone through some good years, bad years, the Super Bowl, all that. I think he's a Hall of Fame coach because his credentials, based on my criteria for the Hall of Fame, scream that. But I think when you look at the franchise, you know, I know they made the playoffs last year, but, you know, they have not been, you got to go back to 2020, they were 12-4, and four, they were 7-10-21. and 10 and 21. So they've had some of those up and down years, and they really haven't been able to get it back. 
Since Pete Carroll was named the head coach of the Seahawks in 2010, 137, 89, and one his record as a head coach and tied for the six most wins in the NFL in that span for him though, Michael, what you referenced in our last segment with him making the announcement earlier this week that he wasn't done, that he didn't want to retire. If you're, if you're Pete Carroll, how are you feeling right now that this is the decision that was made by the organization? Well, I I think Pete's a loyalist to the company 14 years there. He's got a lot of money at stake. You know, I, I think probably it's not something nobody ever wants to leave but maybe sometimes leaving might be the best thing, right? And I think ultimately that, you know, he's going to probably take some time to get over it and try to figure out what his role will be. But at his age, you know, when you're sitting there and you're 72 years old and he's a young 72, right? We know this. 72 for Pete's like the new 60, <laughs> like the new 52, right? Uh, you know, you probably, okay, where can I make a contribution, right? Where can I give back? I've had so much success in my career, everything. Not, your careers never end the way you want to end. Seasons don't end the way you want them to end, right? There's only one team whose seasons ends perfectly, and then you got to do it all over again. So I think to me, once he gets past that and he reflects on his career and says, look, I won Super Bowls. I got a chance to be in the Hall of Fame. I can give back to the organization in a different role and still be involved. I think he'll be better off for it. Yeah, two Super Bowl appearances, a Super Bowl win. Um, And now, as I referenced at the top, the seventh head coach vacancy going into the 2024-25 season upcoming. As you look at some of these... So we're at seven now, right? We're at seven? We're at seven. And we still don't know about New England. We don't know what's going on in New England. True. As you look at those openings, though, Michael, which do you think is the most attractive? And who out there is the most attractive head coach candidate? As of right now, the most attractive candidates are able by far. Seattle's a really good job. John Snyder is an outstanding personnel guy, does a great job. Um, So that, and they have an owner that's willing to pay money. They've got a great stadium, they've got great facilities. So that's a great job. I know you got to play against the 49ers and you got to play against the Rams, but that's a great job. Uh, I think Atlanta has a chance to be a great job. You don't have a quarterback. But look, the jobs don't open because they have quarterbacks. It's rare that a job opens like the Chargers with mm-hmm. a quarterback. So I, I think ultimately, you know, those two come to mind. Carolina, what you want to avoid is the civil wars going on within the building, right? You don't want to go somewhere like Carolina, which has a lot of people talking to the owner. You don't want to, Washington. I don't know how this is all going to play out, but it seems like a lot of people are involved. We'll we'll see how this all works out and how he sets up the organization where that goes. But I think what you want to be able to do is is understand the role and be able to uh, build your culture. The Raiders, they seem like they're going to go with Pierce. I don't think the Harbaugh thing means thing anything there. I, I think ultimately the Chargers is a good job because of the quarterback, but are they willing to give you the things you need to get to get it done? I think those are hard things. Every job, there's no perfect job out there, just like there's no perfect player. You make the job perfect, but you need at least certain things to make it perfect. Where would be the perfect landing spot in your brain for Vrabel? Because we talk about the unknowns about New England. You bring him up in the possibilities as a placeholder in Seattle, although probably Dan Quinn, you like maybe a little bit more with his connections to the organization. Where do you think would be the best landing spot for for Vrabel? Why is it so hard for me to say his name? I know my last name is a bajillion letters and that's a challenge, but Vrabel for me, I'm just struggling today. (laughs) 
Well, I, I think there's no question if Seattle's the best job because the owner and Snyder, they got stability okay. in the front office and they got a really good owner. When you have that, and Snyder's not a guy, you don't see Snyder trying to get credit for th- He plays his role perfectly. And I think that would really do well for variable. Same thing with Quinn. I mean, they both have experience as head coaches. And when you lose a head coach with experience, you don't want to have growing pains. Your team's going to have growing pains, but you want somebody who understands the job. Like This is really a, a really good class of candidates this season in terms of you got Vrabel. Verily does that happen. And if Belichick's out there, then all of a sudden it's a different game. So we'll wait and see what happens. Could this be the best offseason in terms of like head coaches that become available? Let's say Belichick does become available. You have him, you have Rabel, you have Jim Harbaugh in the mix here. I feel like the head coaching candidates are just like, if I am a team that has a vacancy right now, I'm licking my chops at some of the guys that are that are potentially available here. I know Ben Johnson as a coordinator is somebody people think very, very highly of is going to get a great opportunity. But there's very few, very few that are head coaches. See, this is the difference. You could get a play caller. Rand Carthen might get a play caller. But all the things that Rabel does as a strategist and a tactician are going to be hard to replace with a new coach. It's going to be really hard with a young coach. It's going to be overwhelming. Look, I think Shane Steichen did a great job for the Colts. But he was horrible in game management. He cost him two games. Cost him two games. Again, the news coming through this morning that Pete Carroll is done in Seattle. According to a statement from the owner of the Seahawks, Jody Allen, Pete Carroll will evolve his role from head coach to still remain with the organization as an advisor. Also today, earlier this morning, the reports that Matt Eberflus will remain head coach of the Bears, despite letting go his offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach and wide receivers coach and Wink Martindale, as well as the New York Giants have mutually decided to part ways. So a busy news day. You know what, Michael? I was sad that the last couple of days I wasn't here for all of the news, didn't know what I was going to walk into today. And boy, are we rocking and rolling with a lot of information. They go fast coming these shows, Stormy. There's no, there's no downtime. There's no downtime. There's no rest. Not at all. No rest. We'll be right back. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Avito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.